Life Strength and Health Podcast, Episode 3. Whenever you become sick, whether it's a physical illness or a mental, emotional illness, um, that illness is the result of a blockage in the flow of energy, okay? Energy has to flow. Welcome, everyone. This is Life Strength and Health Podcast with Jamal and Kim, where each and every week we educate, empower, and inspire you to live healthier. So let's dive into the show. Hi, Kim and Jamal here, and welcome to another episode of Life Strength and Health Podcast. We have another great interview for you today. Today, we are joined by Yasir Rahotep. Yasir, are you there? Yes, I'm here. Greetings, Yasir. Thanks for joining us today. We really appreciate your presence. Well, greetings, and thank you for um, inviting me. It's always my pleasure to share, you know, information about kinetic yoga. Yes. And so before we dive in, um, I just want to share with anyone out there who's listening who is not familiar with Yasir. I just want to read a little bit of information about the work he's doing and what Yasir uh, is all about. <laughs> Yasir Rahotep is a master instructor of yoga and the creator of the Yoga Skills Method. He is the most senior instructor of comedic yoga in the United States with over 30 years experience practicing and teaching. Yasir was involved with the original research and documentation of comedic yoga, along with master instructor Dr. Asar Hapi in the 1970s. Yasir has continued to research, document, and expand on the foundations of comedic yoga. He has written extensively, lectured, and led workshops throughout the United States, Africa, and the Caribbean, including Cuba. Yasir has been featured in publications such as Yoga Journal, Yoga Chicago, Chicago Tribune, Chicago Parent, African Business and Culture, to name a few. He has also been interviewed and featured on WGN TV, ABC TV, NBC TV, CBS TV, and has appeared on The Oprah Winfrey Show. Wow, that's a, that's a nice resume there. And, and the interesting thing about it is you've done so much um, for comedic yoga, but still, you know, the average person that you bump into and you talk about um, comedic yoga, they still don't know what it is. So the word still needs to get out and people need to understand the importance of it, especially in the black community, because like in our circle, you know, we're surrounded with you know, yogis and people that do yoga all the time. And <clears throat> we know many of your your student instructors um, that teach classes and things like that. But um, a lot of people still don't know, especially in our community. So you see, like, tell us your story. Like, um, how did you begin your personal journey uh, as a yogi You and, and, and your path to helping others to, um, you know, be enlightened on yoga? Well, um, my personal story is, is that um, it's been almost 40 years, and um, I decided uh, when I turned 21 that I was going to um, change my lifestyle, and I decided to adopt a holistic um, lifestyle based upon the consumption of, plant, of a plant-based diet um, and um, you know, physical fitness, um, mental fitness, 
and um, so I started. Um, so I stopped eating, um, you know, meat and processed foods. I stopped eating dairy products. Um, I basically became a fruitarian mm-hmm. because I really didn't know how to um, prepare, you know, like vegetarian food because it was so long ago um, that you know all the different uh, products that they have available now was weren't available back then. Yeah. And I didn't even know anybody who was a vegetarian. But this was something that just came to me that um, I decided to do. I found a book by Dick Gregory that helped me out, you know, um, and um, I started to study. And I started, you know, I was always into, you know, sports. So in addition to changing my diet, I got into, you know, things like running and doing calisthenics and things like that, you know. And um, I felt so good when I changed my diet because um, from the age of about six until the the age of 21, I had headaches just about every day. Mm, I had stomach aches just about every day, you know, and um, I still lived my life. I still went to school. I still played sports, but I wasn't really um, all that, you know, healthy from an internal level, Mm -hmm. you know. So, um, so... From there, after about a year of being into this regimen of um, basically being a fruitarian and, um, you know, being into um, running and um, catastatics, I got introduced to yoga. And um, when I went to the yoga class um, that I was invited to, I was very reluctant to go because I I was expecting to see a little Indian man <laughs> you know, with his legs crossed, you know, in a little diaper and stuff, you know, and uh, when I, well, you know, I had all these stereotypes, you know, I, know, I didn't know anything about right. yoga, Yeah. You know? so mm-hmm. when I got there, it was a, it was a brother, you know, on the west side of Chicago, he was six foot five, he, and he could do just about anything with his body in terms of yoga postures, mm. and even though, um, you know, I was only, you know, I was, I was young, but I couldn't um, really, my, my body was really stiff at that time. But um, the only, the only thing that I could really do was the uh, mummy pose, which is like a total relaxation position, laying on the floor. <laughs> and um, I could do a headstand mm, in okay. first class, but that was all I could do. I really couldn't even touch, I really couldn't bend down far enough to even touch my knees. I really couldn't even sit with my legs crossed. But um, when my teacher told me his story, that he had, um, you know, that he he healed his body and transformed his body through practicing yoga, I said, well, I can do the same thing because, you know, you from the west side, I'm from the south side, you know, know, we're the same, Mm -hmm. we're the same thing. So if you could do this, I can do this. So I would practice about, you know, eight to 12 hours a day, every day. Wow. And um, I went to class every Sunday morning. Um, I had to take the train from one end, from one end of the city, from, from the, where the train ended, I had to take it all the way to a whole nother um, suburb of Chicago mm-hmm. to get to class every Sunday, but I never missed a class. And in between the time, I practiced every day you know, on my own. And um, so after about a year, um, my teacher 
was telling me, well, you know, you should start teaching yoga because I'm going to be leaving. And um, he said I should start teaching and taking over classes that he was doing and things like that. And so um, that's how I got started into teaching. Mm -hmm. And um, when in the the mid-1970s, we had this exhibit of the King Tut exhibit came to Chicago. And prior to that, we had sort of known, you know, we sort of, you know, just philosophically understood that since things like religion and, uh, you know, civilization and culture came from ancient Egypt, um, we figured that yoga must have too. Mm -hmm. But we really didn't have, um, you know, any specific information about that. So um, when the King Tut exhibit came, there was a chair in in, in the exhibit and it had a it had an image. It had a, it was a carving with the back of the chair, and it was a carving of a yoga posture. And so from that, we were able to um, see the symbols and see the actual pose. And then we just basically um, figured out how to get into the posture, how to breathe through the posture, mm-hmm. you know. And we interpreted and translated the. Um, you know, the hieroglyphs, the Madhu nature that was associated, and we interpreted the symbols, and we could see that those symbols were identical in meaning to the same symbols that you would see in yoga. Mm. You know, so there were symbols that related to the Kundalini, there were symbols that related to the crown chakra, there were symbols that related to the uh, Ajna chakra, the third eye chakra, Mm -hmm. there were symbols that related to the... um, to the different nadis or the energy channels, especially those that's associated with the spine and with the left and the right nostril, you know, and, um, you know, we saw a lot of alchemical um, symbolism in it also. And so um, that's how we sort of came up with this whole idea of kinetic yoga. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, at the time we called it, we called it Egyptian yoga. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I started studying with um, Dr. Jacob Carruthers, he was my hieroglyphics teacher, I'm a Dimetra teacher. Mm-hmm. Um, um, you know, we started to learn the specific names and, uh, you know, more about the language of ancient Kemet. And, um, you know, so that's sort of how I got started. <laughs> that's a great story. And yeah. you really touched on some powerful things because. You know, I know that, uh, you know, me and my wife, we started to uh, to get into yoga and I was e- extremely tight. And when and when we went to these classes, the instructors were always um, just like small women. And I even used to question, you know, was it possible for uh, black men to be that flexible? And I've taken, you know, a few of your, your classes and. For those who don't know, Yassir is a big guy, you know, he's a big guy. And when I walked in your class and saw you doing, uh, you know, these these postures and just f- doing the movements and flowing through yoga, um, it was very inspiring. And it, it really showed me that, you know, it's possible for our bodies to um, to get into this position. Um, so uh, it's, it's important. It's, it's very important. And and just to get a little bit more specific, you know, why why do you feel that comedic yoga um, is is important for for people? Well, comedic yoga, um, 
number one, the first thing I'm going to say about kinetic yoga is that it is um, yoga that, um, at least the way, what I call the yoga skills method of kinetic yoga, because different people use the term kinetic yoga, mm-hmm. and but everything, you know, everybody's not coming from the same place. Okay. The okay. kinetic yoga that I... Yeah, the comedic yoga that I teach, um, I feel that it is in keeping with the proper way that yoga originally was meant to be taught. Mm-hmm. The way yoga, the way yoga is taught now, um, is that it's mostly taught as a physical exercise. Yeah, something that you do for flexibility, something that you do to strengthen your core, mm-hmm. something that you do to tone your muscles and all that things. And um, in reality, those things are like the least important aspects of what yoga is about. Um, those are those are what you call side effects. Right. The, 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 so, so the real purpose of doing yoga and the real um, the real um, importance or the real um, benefit of doing yoga, you know, doing this kinetic yoga, yoga skills method of kinetic yoga, is that. Um, it's going to really allow you to get into the totality of what yoga is about. Mm-hmm. So, that, so when I say the totality, I'm talking about the, 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 the true breathing, the combination of breathing and movement, and the ability to, to move life force and energy through your body. Um, so, it, so, so kinetic yoga, the way you know, the, the way the way that we teach it is based upon the movement of life force and energy, the enhancement, the cultivation um, of life force and energy. And um, we call it an internal practice, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so that means that we're working on the internal aspect of ourselves. It right. incorporates a knowledge of, of, of spiritual anatomy. Mm-hmm. So it incorporates um, the way that um, you know, you know, in the same way that when you practice yoga just on the physical level, you should have an understanding of your of anatomy and physiology, how different muscle groups work and things like that. So it, so we know that in ancient Kemet that the body was divided into layers, right? Not the body, but our being, mm-hmm. you know, who we who we are in totality was divided into different layers. So you have the ba, the ka, the ku. So on and so forth. We have mm-hmm. these different layers that represent different aspects of our being. Mm-hmm. So when we practice yoga, this should it should affect us on the level of the physical body or, or, or the or the structure, which means the the, the 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 muscular system and the skeletal system. It should affect us on the level of the internal organs in terms of improving the functioning of the internal organs. Um, it should it should affect us on a glandular level in terms of affecting the, the functioning of the endocrine system. It should affect us on the uh, energetic level in terms of um, moving life force through the energy channel. Mm-hmm. So we know that our bodies is more than just physical. Our bodies is, you know, we have an energy body. We have a spirit body. You know, we have a bioenergetic body. And so that body is the life force. That body is, you know, the system of, of energy channels through which energy flows and incorporates the chakras, you know, um, or the karakasa, as they would be saying in, in, in an ancient genetic language, mm-hmm. um, and it incorporates the energy channels or what they call the nadis, 
the, 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 the energy to which the life force flows. And so when we practice, so, so whenever we do a yoga posture or whenever we do yoga meditation, it should be affecting all of those layers of our being. Also, also the also also the mental aspects of ourselves and the emotional aspects of ourselves. All of those things when you do it when you do a one yoga posture, mm-hmm. you should be affecting yourself on all those different levels. And so, um, and, and ultimately, the goal of the practice of kinetic yoga is supposed to be self-realization and self-actualization. Mm-hmm. And so those were the two goals of the ancient Kemetic, um, what the, you know, what they call the mystery system, mm-hmm. you know, the system of self-development, self, self-realization, understanding what your true nature is, and that you are not just this physical um, limited being, but you have an unlimited potential. And then actually, in, actually putting into action you know, your your potential and then reaching your potential. So that's self-actualization. Mm. And so when you practice yoga, you should become better in everything that you do. Mm. Not only in your health and your wellness and your strength and your flexibility, but also in everything that you do in terms of your relationships, your professional development, um, you know, your economic development, you know, your 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 internal psychology. In that, in, in that you see that you are a powerful being and not just uh, somebody who's a victim of this racist system, you know, mm-hmm. white supremacist system that we live under, and just viewing yourself as just being a person that's affected by that. But you start to view yourself as somebody who that has no effect upon me because I go beyond that. Mm-hmm. You know, I live in a, I live in I live in a universe where that doesn't um, hold me back. Mm-hmm. I can master and conquer that. Wow. Right. You just said it uh, a whole lot. Um, I definitely advise everyone to go back and listen to this a couple of times because uh, he's really laying out some deep things. And, you know, one of the things that we try to teach our listeners is the importance of taking a holistic approach to life and everything that they do that it should be a whole, no isolated things. And it seems like, um, you know, in, in our, our society right now, we deal with a lot of isolations. We go into the whole of things and we take out isolated things. And that's how we kind of look at everything fractionized. And um, it's important for people to take this holistic approach. I mean, yoga pretty much, um, you know, encompasses everything. And we're talking about an ancient African practice. A lot of times when, when people think about yoga, they think about, um, you know, Indian culture, Hindu, they don't think about uh, Africa. So specifically um, as uh, for the black community, why is it important for black people to embrace their ancient uh African system of yoga? Well, because um, number one, it's better (laughs) than doing commercial yoga. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And um, when I say that, I'm saying that based upon not based upon any type of ego or anything. But, you know, when 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 you do the research, you see that they basically are telling us in the commercial mainstream yoga world, the yoga is 
this 5,000-year-old practice that comes from India. Mm-hmm. But most of the things that you're being taught when you go to yoga class is not 5,000 years old, and it's not even from India. Most of it's from California and from London. Mm-hmm. Because... Um, you know, you know when you when you when you because I've I've done the research. When you go back and you look at um, when you when you study ancient India and you say, well, what yoga was they doing five thousand years ago? You can't really find anything. Mm. You know, you wow. can find small little um, tidbits of yoga yoga ideas and yoga practice going back several thousand years in ancient in you know in ancient India. But you don't see um, all of these hundreds and hundreds or thousands of different postures that they claim come from India. You don't see a stronger yoga as they claim is is, is the most ancient form of yoga. Um, you know, most of these most of these um, most of these um, ideas or information that they're giving that they're giving us is is false. Mm. And you have and you have your you have Europeans writing books. Mm-hmm. Who've done? Who who doing the same research? Who are documenting this information that the British came into India, um, you know, you know, a couple hundred years ago, and they incorporated what they call British gymnastics into the practice of yoga as a means of training um, young 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 men to be part of their military. To oppress, um, to you know, to impose their will upon the Indian people and to send them off to fight in their colonial wars. You know that was that, that, so. A lot of these very gymnastic type of yoga postures and things. That's where they come from. They come from the British, mm. and you could, you know, you know, you, you could find all of those in books written that show the, the British guys in the 1880s and 1890s doing the same exact postures that you see these people doing today. And mm. They call it a stronger yoga and they call it Iyengar yoga. But mm. so when you go back and you look at the documents, you go back and you go to ancient Kemet and you look at the walls of the temple. I can take you to the temple of, um, I can take you to, um, the, I, I can take you to Saqqara and Kemet and I can show you images on the, on, on, on the, on the, on the, on the, on the tomb or the um, tomb of Tagini. And you can see yoga that's six thousand years old. Hmm. You know, yoga posture six thousand years old. You know, so you can so you, so we can clearly see that yoga goes back probably at least ten thousand years in ancient Kemet. You know, and you, and we can see not just obscure little yoga postures, but we can see very sophisticated poses. Yeah. You know, not not the um, not the um, uh, act, not acrobatic, but you call it a uh, contortionist type of things, like putting your legs behind your head. Mm-hmm. Very geometric postures that are that are aligning the spine and allowing the energy to rise. And you see the symbols associated with the two. These things are much much older in Kemet than they are in India. And in addition to being older, they're much more sophisticated. They're much more complex. And they ha- and the ideas behind them are much more developed than, than what you would see in India. Mm. So, um, so, so we need to. So, we as black people, we as people of African descent, we really need to develop an appreciation of our of our culture. 
when you go, you know, when, when you go to yoga classes, when you go to the mainstream yoga classes, or you go to the mainstream yoga teacher training, they 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 try to um, tell you that you have to say these different yoga positions in Sanskrit, mm-hmm. that you have to use Sanskrit language when you talk about different yoga ideas. Why? If I want to, if, if I say I'm going to do the forward bending pose, I got to say forward bending pose in Sanskrit. If I want to say triangle pose, I got to say triangle pose in Sanskrit. Why are they doing that? Because they try to tell us that um, this culture is the, it, it, that comes from India is the, it, it, it's the source and the origin of this practice. But we already know that in, in ancient Kemet and in other parts of traditional African um, society that people um, have been doing yoga for thousands of years. And that um, many cultures, that the, the Olmec culture of Mexico and Central America, the Mayans later, and the Aztecs, they all had yoga. Also, the Native American people have yoga and meditation systems. You know, mm-hmm. um, these things are universal. They're not. They're not just something that comes from India. So we need to have an appreciation that. Um, uh, of, of our own culture, and when, and when we start to really identify with our own culture, who do I, who do we identify with? We identify with ourselves. Mm-hmm. When we identify with Indian culture, when we identify with with Hindu culture, we are not identifying with ourselves. You know, we identify with, with something which is foreign to uh, to us. Right. And so, not only so to, so so for me. Not only do in Kemetic yoga systems and ancient African yoga systems do we have um, an identification with our own culture, but we also have best practices and qualities of practice. Mm-hmm. When you you know when, when, when you look at when you do the research, you can see that a lot of people who doing the mainstream it, 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 there's a lot of injuries that's being caused yeah. in the mainstream yoga world mm-hmm. that people like people are carrying their Achilles tendon, mm-hmm. um, throwing their backs out, all mm-hmm. kind of different things like that because of this this um, emphasis on purely physical. When, it, when when women practice a stronger yoga, it has a it has a masculine effect upon their bodies. Wow. Their body, you know, you know, you know, they start to lose their feminine qualities and their feminine energy because that what they call a stronger yoga is the primary example of this military um, yogic idea that was incorporated into that system by the British. Mm. Wow. You know, that's, yeah. why, that's why they go so fast. That's why they talk about making your muscles and your core strong and all that kind of stuff because mm. it was based upon training men for the military. It is really not even for the, it's not even for the, the, the feminine body. Wow. This is incredibly enlightening. Thank you for for sharing this information because I know a lot of times uh, black people they can't, um, like you said, identify with uh, with yoga and with comedic yoga. I mean, how could you you not identify? And hopefully, this is something that could really inspire our listeners to to get involved with comedic yoga and understand the importance of doing it. And um, one of the things that um, you spoke about was uh, using your breath with yoga. And a lot of times when people 
Uh, actually, I won't even say when they think about it because um, people don't even think about the breath, let alone talk about it. No, it, it's just kind of like an afterthought because we automatically do it. Um, can you, you know, take a moment and just talk about the power of the breath and how that kind of powers um, yoga? Well, I would just ask people to think about it logically, you know, because that's one of the things that we, you know, critical thinking and logical thinking is something that we have really gotten away from. Mm -hmm. Just think logically. If I was hungry, I'm going to go get some food, right? And I eat, you know, most people eat three meals a day. They snack all day Mm -hmm. because they're always hungry or they feel like they have to, I have to have some nutrients for my body, Mm -hmm. you know, but how long can you go without, you can go, I've I've been on a 30 day fast with no food. I didn't die. Mm -hmm. You know, a person could be, you know, in the desert for a couple of weeks and they can live without any water, right? Mm -hmm. But how long can you go, how long can you go without breathing? Right. You know? So you can only after five minutes, you're you know you're you're gonna die. Your brain will be dead. It won't be able to sustain the functioning of your body, and you will be dead. So breath, breathing is the most important thing that we do. It is our number one and primary source of nutrition. It's what keeps us alive. The breath has the life force in it. In in Indian yoga, they use the term prana. In kinetic yoga, we use the word shu or onk. Shu means breath. Onk is the life force that is contained within the breath. And so, um, so the first thing that we do is we have to breathe. Even when you read the Bible, what does it say? It says God takes some dirt, shapes into the shape of a person, and then he breathes the breath of life. So we know that that breath of life that we are dealing with is something that comes directly from the creator. It is that creative force mm-hmm. that causes us to be alive. We know that we have a um, physical body that's based upon a circulatory system, a respiratory system, a skeletal system, digestive system, but we also have a non-physical body, which is based upon a system of energy channels through which the life force flows, and um, energy wheels, or what they commonly call the chakras, which um, conducts the flow of energy uh, throughout the body and are connected to our um, developmental system, mm-hmm. our, our system of development from childhood into adulthood into left, higher levels of consciousness. So, um, so the breath is the foundation of all those things. Whenever you become sick, whether it's a physical illness or a mental, emotional illness, um, that illness is the result of a blockage in the flow of energy. Right. Okay. Energy has to flow. When you go to the, if you if, if you go to an acupuncturist, the acupuncturist is trained to diagnose where there is a blockage in the flow of your life force or your energy channels. Mm-hmm. They call those energy channels meridians. So he puts the needle in the place where the energy is blocked, and then that insertion of the needle helps that energy to open up and flow again. Mm-hmm. And so all illness, all disease, regardless of what name you put on it, regardless of what type of um, you know, um, 
disease vector or whatever it is that's supposed to be causing this disease. Mm-hmm. The disease is the result of the of the blockage of the energy. Right. And by the time that you notice a symptom that you are having an illness or some type of um, sickness or disease, that energy had been blocked for some time. Mm-hmm. And it had become, it had, and it had, it had, it had created a stagnation, a stagnant condition whereby the energy wasn't able to flow that um, resulted in that particular illness. And so, regardless of what the illness is, it's, it's because of a blockage in the flow of energy. And so, breath is what allows this energy to flow. Right. So, when we do controlled deep breathing, when we do yoga movements and postures, it should be with the primary intention to cause energy to move and to flow through the energy body, through the energy channels. In the same way that the physical body has its own anatomy that you can see on an X-ray, that you can see on an MRI, the non-physical body has its own anatomy and right. own physiology <clears throat> that you cannot see on an X-ray or you cannot see on an MRI because it is operating on a non-physical level mm-hmm. and by that it simply means that it's operating on a vibrational frequency of existence which is higher than our ability to see with the naked eye or, 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 or to see with most of the conventional instruments that the medical science uses to view and, uh, and use as diagnostic tools but we know that we have an aura right Everybody, mm-hmm. everybody talks about the aura, and the aura is simply a manifestation of that life force. It's a manifestation of that energy. Mm-hmm. It's a manifestation of the breath. When the breath is able to flow properly and breath is able to flow smoothly, and we have abundance of this breath and life force in our bodies, we have a very strong aura. When we have blockages in the energy, when the energy is weak, when the amount of uh, life force that we have contained within us is low, the, it, the aura is going to reflect that. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be a weak aura. Mm-hmm. The color is going to change. You're going to see um, different little blotches or different little um, you know, spaces in the aura where it's not strong yet. You know, things like stress is going to affect the energy. Mm-hmm. So, that's, so that's one of the reasons why we emphasize in yoga being calm. Mm-hmm. Not because it's just to be nice, right. to be like a nice person, <laughs> but, it's, but it's because when you're upset and angry and have anxiety and worry, um, it causes you to really, it, you're killing yourself. Right. You're, you're burning yourself up. Mm-hmm. You're causing this blockage in the flow of energy. Yeah. So even when you look at the word respiratory system, right? Mm-hmm. You look at the word respiratory, you take off the R-E in the beginning and the O-R-Y at the end, you left with the you left with the with the middle suffix, right? Or the um the main word, which is spirit. Mm-hmm. So every time you take a every time you take a breath, you are respiritizing yourself. Mm-hmm. So the breath is fundamental. The breath is the most powerful thing that you do. And if you don't learn anything else in your practice of yoga, you should learn how to breathe because breathing is going to activate the parasympathetic nervous system, which is your relaxation response. And so that's going to lower your blood pressure. That's going to stimulate your digestive system. That's going to stimulate your eliminative system. That's going to help your circulatory system function better. You know, that's going to cause your body's ability to heal itself to increase. 
you know, you're enhancing your body's natural ability to heal itself when you practice controlled deep breathing. Mm -hmm. So simply laying on the floor or sitting with your legs crossed, sitting in a chair, sitting up on the couch, however you want to do it, and just close your eyes and just simply breathing in slowly and breathing out slowly is probably the most powerful thing that you can do for your health. Thank you for sharing that. And before we go any further, let's take a minute to hear from our sponsors. Let's face it, we are living in a world set up for us not to be healthy. And with the overabundance of health information available, it's so easy to get overwhelmed and confused on which path to take, which leads to inaction and not making health a top priority. Well, that can all change. We are Life Strength and Health, the number one center in New Jersey for helping you to detoxify and address your digestive system challenges. We provide support, accountability, guidance, education. We will be with you every step but a way to help simplify this process and help you to reach your health goals. So if you're ready to take action, if you're ready to make your health a top priority, then visit us at lifestrengthandhealth.com or give us a call at 1-800-503-7127 and book your consultation today. Don't live in the New Jersey area. Don't sweat it. We can work with you virtually. So visit us at lifestrengthandhealth.com or give us a call at 1-800-503-7127 and book your consultation or virtual consultation today. Now, now as far as meditation is concerned and, and yoga, like how do those two uh, connect? Well, meditation and yoga is, meditation is part of yoga, just like... Right. Um, just you know, just like um, you know, geometry and uh, trigonometry are part of mathematics. Right. You know, it's all part of the same thing. Mm-hmm. So when you so so when you practice yoga, meditation is a part of that practice. So the first step in your practice of yoga is to learn number one, like like I was saying, learning how to breathe. Mm-hmm. You know, learning. To, you know, you, so you do the so so in kinetic yoga, we do we do what we call the cleansing breath. Which is um, a, 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 which, which is a form of abdominal breathing and a cleansing, a release of uh, of old air and toxins out of the respiratory system, and then we do the mummy pose, which is a total relaxation position. And so, what is meditation? Meditation is, is a step by step process. So the first step is um, relaxation. Uh, the second step is concentration. So once you get your body to relax. The next thing you want to do is get your mind to relax and get your mind to focus. As you allow your body to relax, your mind to focus, what comes next? It is becoming aware of what's happening internally. So now you become aware of the fact that you have this life force and this energy, which is actually circulating in your body. If, you know, when, when we are in our, when we are in a in a non mindful state of being, we're not aware of what's happening. Right. But when we slow down and we focus inwardly, we can say, oh, I have this energy. I have this life force which resides three inches below my navel at the base of my spine. So now I can use my breath to connect to that energy. And I can use my breath along with my mind to pull that energy up my spine and move it up to the crown of my head. Mm-hmm. But when I'm practicing meditation, I'm not just sitting there like just trying not to think about anything. Mm-hmm. I'm actively using my breath to move that energy up my spine, move it up to the crown of my head, 
and then move it to the, um, the third eye, the Heru chakra, okay? And then when I exhale, I'm consciously trying to move that energy through my arms and into my hands and down my legs and into my feet. So meditation is really this process of energy movement. And so then once I get this energy to flow, once I get this energy to move and to circulate properly, then my next thing is that I'm going to consciously wheel this energy to heal my body, to take away any type of um, illness, to take away any type of potential um you know, this ease that could be developing in my body um, and, it, and also in my mind. Mm -hmm. I want to release. I want to release negative thoughts. I want to release negative energy from my body. If I know that I have a particular ailment that's taking place in my body, I want to focus on that area with my breath and with my mind, and I want to send healing energy to that area of my body, and I want to release that negative energy when I breathe out. Mm -hmm. This is what's happening when you, when you practice meditation. Mm -hmm. So then the next step after that is that you want to be able to use your, um, um, once you put yourself into that state and you bring yourself into that sort of oneness, that sort of mindful state, then you want to say, okay, I want to use visualization and I want to visualize myself being who I really want to be. I want to visualize myself achieving the goals that I really want to achieve. So you put these images into your mind, into your consciousness, and then you use your breaths, you know, and your breathing to project them into, into, into the universe, into the cosmos. And then they set, you know, then, then so, so it's like you're planting seeds. Mm -hmm. So when you, so, so your meditation is your process of chilling the soil to prepare the soil so that when the seeds go into the soil, the soil is prepared. Right. The seed is able to take sprout. The seed is able to take root because you have prepared the soil, you've irrigated it, you, um, you've oxygenated it by turning it and all that stuff. And now that seed is in fertile ground. And so that's what your meditation is about. It's about, it's about creating a fertile, a fertile place, a fertile consciousness place where you can plant your seeds of, and you can, and that's how you create your own reality. Right. So that's a process, mm -hmm. you know, like, so when you read these books that talk about the secret or they talk about the secret this and the secret that, they're just telling you to think real hard about something. Right. That's not mm -hmm. going to work. Yeah. You mm -hmm. have to have a, you have to have a, you have to have an internal practice. And you also have to be able to, you also can't be putting all kind of crazy stuff into your body mm -hmm. because when you eat animal foods, when you eat um, fried chicken and pork chops and all that kind of stuff, when you're drinking Coca-Cola and alcohol and so on and so forth, you're clogging up your energy channels. Right. And so because those energy channels are, um, are very sensitive, and if you're a person who has melanin, you are, even, you are even more sensitive and you're going to be affected more, more by toxic consumption than people who don't have melanin. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is, um, this is really uh, some golden information that you're sharing because um, I like the analogy that you were using with the soil because so many people, they spend a lot of time on 
the tree itself? You know, what's going on with with the tree? How can I fix the tree? But they never go back to the roots. They never go back to the soil and the seed, which is emotional, the emotional level, the energetic level, the spiritual level. People don't take it back that far. So the real healing never takes place. And, um, you know, it's just very uh, amazing how you're just talking about, you know, using yoga for healing, because a lot of people, they don't think about yoga as a healing tool. So you're really exposing a lot of things today. And we appreciate that. Now, um, I'm sure a lot of people are fired up. I mean, I'm I'm fired up just from, uh, you know, hearing you talk (laughs) about this stuff. I'm ready to do some yoga after this this podcast. But like for people that want to um, experience comedic yoga, I know you do um, some comedic retreats. How how could they experience that with you and and, and do yoga on your retreats? Um, do you have anything going on? Well, I always have um, something going on in terms of um, a teacher training. Mm-hmm. Um, I do number one. I do I do um, I have people coming from all over the country and all over the world who come to Jamaica twice a year. Mm-hmm. I do a training in Jamaica. I do one I do one in the winter. The one in the winter was coming up just January 16th to the 25th, and then I do one in then I do one in the summer, and the summer one is going to be in July 2016. Okay. Um, and um, I have trainings coming up um, next week. Actually, or actually this coming weekend okay. is going to start in Chicago. So I have people who live in Chicago. Then I have people who are flying in from different parts of the country. To take those training, and those trainings take place over a four-month period. So the one in Jamaica takes place over um, 10, 10 days, okay. and the one um, it's, so it's, so it's more like it, it's like it's more like an intensive mm-hmm. and immersion, you know, where, where, where people come and uh, they're staying there for those ten days. But the one in Chicago and the ones in Atlanta, and you know, periodically I get to do do them in New York and Washington D.C. and uh, Los Angeles, different places. Um, so, um, um, so those are so those are going on. Um, also, also we'll be doing taking people who want to travel to South Africa. I'm going to be doing uh, trainings in South Africa in uh, this coming April, nice, and also in um, August. And so, people who want to come and not only um, train in comedic yoga, but also, um, you know, take a tour of South Africa to participate in those. Um, what else? Brazil is coming up. That's going to be in October of um, 2016. Okay. And so, so, again, people can travel to Brazil. We're going to not only be doing comedic yoga and, and training as become an instructor, people who live in Brazil and whoever, whoever comes with us from the States, but also you can, um, you know, explore the culture and the history of, and the spirituality of Brazil, mm-hmm. you know, the Brazilian people. There's, um, I think it's something like 400 million black people live in, well, a hundred million black people live in Brazil. Yeah. Wow. You mm-hmm. know? Um, yeah. So, um, it's a very strong African culture there. And so they've been clamoring for kinetic yoga to come. So, um, so I'm, I'm coming. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to be there. So, um, 
So Kinetic Yoga is, you know, to me, for me, it's like a movement. Right, like yeah. What I've been doing, what, yeah, what I've been doing for the last um, few years is really pushing, trying to get uh, as many people all over the world certified. Mm-hmm. So now we have people in, now we have people in various parts of Africa. We have people in the Caribbean. We have people in New York, D.C., Chicago, Los Angeles, Miami, Nashville, Atlanta, you know, all over, all over the U.S. Mm-hmm. And, um, um, you know, so if people want to take classes, you know, we have instructors and, in, you know, uh, you know, around the city, around the country, we have mm-hmm. about a thousand instructors now wow. throughout, the, throughout, the, throughout the U.S. and different parts of the world, in France and England. Um, and, um, yeah. And, you know, we also do a, we also do a trip to Egypt too. It's not a, it's not a training, but, mm-hmm. it's, but it's just a tour where people, and we, you know, we, we do, we do do some yoga there, mm-hmm. some kinetic yoga there, um, you know, um, both on a cruise ship that we, that we have, and also in the, some of the temples, we do meditation and chanting and things inside of the great pyramid. I'm sure that's powerful. Mm-hmm. Now, for for those who want to um, take yoga and they can't make your retreats, uh, do you have a, um, a a data or is there a database that uh, lists the the different instructors throughout the um, the country in the world where people might be able to look up where they can go to uh, to take comedic yoga? Well, we're gonna we're gonna put that up on the website. But if um, anybody is interested, you know, you trying to find an instructor in the part of the country where you live, uh, they can just send me an email or call me. Okay. And um, I can um, connect them with the um, if there's an instructor there, I can connect them with that person. Perfect. And you also have. Um, instruct, instructional uh, videos and resources out there that people can get as well, right? Yes, I have a, um, I have a two, I have, I have two instructional DVDs that can be purchased on the website yogaskills.com, and I also have an instructional meditation, a guided meditation CD that takes you through those five different steps of meditation. Mm-hmm. And we call that the Master Collection. And so um, that's available online for a little bit less than fifty dollars. Mm-hmm. Okay, and uh, just so everyone knows, um, all of uh, you see his information, his uh, classes, and his resources will be sure to include those um, in our show notes. So we are uh, coming to the end of our show. Um, quick sidebar question for you, Yasir. Um, one one of the yogas that's um, starting to gain a lot of popularity is like the hot yoga, the the Bikram uh, yoga. What what are your thoughts on uh, on on Bikram and like the hot yogas? Well, I think I think doing any type of yoga is better than not doing. It's better than being sedentary. Yeah. So um, you know, Bikram is a man's name. You mm-hmm. know, his name is. Um, Char- Charlie Bikram, Chardoni Bikram, or something like that, or Bikram Chardoni. Mm-hmm. I forget exactly how you pronounce his name, but that's that's a man. That's a person's name. This is something that he um, thought up. You know that. You know he said, "Well, we're gonna do yoga. We're gonna turn up the temperature in the room. 
and do yoga and it's going to make you sweat, mm-hmm. you know, which I think, you know, that's, that's a good concept. Mm-hmm. Sweat, you know, sweating is good. You know, I, I, I go to the steam room in the sauna when I want to sweat or right. I go to Jamaica mm-hmm. and I work out in the sun. But one of the things that, um, you know, that you have to think about too is that you know in yoga in a confined space and it and it's a hundred something degrees and you're sweating like that people and you're around all these other people and everybody is putting off um, toxins mm-hmm. and they're not they're not they're not only putting out physical toxins they also putting out their um, energetic toxins into the atmosphere right and there's no place for those toxins to go because you're in that confined space there's no windows open in those type of classes. And so basically you are absorbing everybody else's energy, mm-hmm. you know, when you're, when you're in those classes. So a lot of times people feel like they, they feel drained till they yeah. feel really tired when they get finished with those classes. Right. Um, and they, they may attribute it to the heat, but it's, but a lot of it may, may really be becoming because you're absorbing so many other people's energy and stuff. You know? Wow. So, yeah, good point. Good point. Yeah, so so we go to, we go to we go to Jamaica. Mm-hmm. You know when we want to do yoga in the heat, or we just go outside. You know if it's hot outside, you just go outside and you do it in the fresh air. Right. And, you know I think I think it's good. I think it's good to sweat. I've always I've always done that. You know, but uh, but those are things that you, that you have to consider. Are you is there really is there really enough good circulation? Are you breathing in other people's sweat and toxins and all of this, whatever they be released into the atmosphere, you are breathing. You are breathing that into your lungs. Right. Yeah. And I, I would imagine if you're doing it in Jamaica on the beach, you know that water and the the negative ions that's detoxifying. So that's that's clearing out all of that negative energy that you're dumping off of you as you do your yoga practice. So um, that that's that's the real hot yoga, you know, in Jamaica on the beach, right there. <laughs> Um, right, or any place you know where it's warm. Just right. go outside and do it. In, in, you know, if you live in Florida, or if it's or if it's summertime or whatever, you know, just do it. You know, but you know, but but do something. You know, if yeah. that's all you got available to you. Then do that. But right, absolutely. You just got to take that, take all of that into consideration. Okay, cool. Thank you for that insight. And um, lastly, if there was only one thing that a person could do to have the biggest impact on their health, what would that be for you? What would you suggest? Um, the, the, they have to stop eating toxic. They need to adopt a plant-based diet and breathe and move. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. So it's, you know, that's, I mean, you know, if, if you did that, it's like, you know, it's going to be very hard for your body to develop disease. People, people who have disease, they, they pretty much work very hard to get those diseases. Really? They don't realize <laughs> it. Yeah. But they worked hard yeah. to get it. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I mean, just like when a person is very obese, it's like they eat a lot of food for a long, long time. And it mm-hmm. takes a lot of work. It takes, yeah. They invest in a lot of energy. They take they invest in a lot of money into buying all that food. They invest in a lot of time and energy to eating it. And they're not paying attention to how their body is getting bigger and bigger and bigger year after year, month after month, so on and so forth. So right. then, they, then they wait 20, 30 years and they say, oh man, look at me. I need to, I need to lose weight. 
Right. But that time it's like um, it's not too late, but it's like you you um, you know you got to work hard to get to get to be birthed at, you know. Yeah. But 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 but, but one thing I wanna I wanna say too is that um, in terms of kinetic yoga, like I you know one of the one of the things that I emphasize is doing becoming certified as instructors mm-hmm. and um our yoga skills you know if, if you're going to get certified as an instructor of, of yoga you're going to pay you know thousands of dollars to do that mm-hmm. you want to be able to teach you want to be able to teach yoga and make a living at it or at least make a part-time salary at it or something and if you the only, the only school of kinetic yoga which is actually recognized on an international level is is yoga skill school of kinetic yoga. Nice. Because if you um do kinetic yoga and you say somebody somebody's telling you where well, we're gonna give you a certificate and it's not backed by anything, so who's gonna really recognize it? Mm-hmm. Our school is recognized by Yoga Alliance mm-hmm. and um you know, so that that's an organization that sets the standards for what yoga, for better or worse, that sets the standards for what constitutes a yoga teacher and a yoga training and mm-hmm. what safe, you know, the safety features and all those type of things. Right. So if you're going to get certified in kinetic yoga, you need to get certified in kinetic yoga, which is going to, number one, allow you to actually teach if you go to a hospital or school you're going to need a yoga alliance recognized certificate. You, know, mm-hmm. you can't just have a certificate from a person who's just a dude who's just like, I teach kinetic yoga. I'm a teacher. You, you right. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, you know, yeah, you know, so, so the certification is important, you know, mm-hmm. and, you know, this is the original kinetic yoga that was developed, you know, at the beginning in, right. the, in, in, in the world, in, in the world, in the modern world, um, the rebirth of kinetic yoga in the United States started, you know, with with my teacher and myself. And then um, there's another brother named Yogi Khan, uh, Babakar Khan from Senegal. And he, uh, in the 1960s, he developed independently, he developed his own system of, of ancient Egyptian yoga, what he called yoga of the pharaohs. Um, he was a protege of Sheikh Abdullah. Okay. But um, these are the places where these are the two origins of the, the rebirth of what our ancestors used to do thousands of years ago. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, we appreciate that um, that that insight as well as the um, the tip that uh, a lot of our uh, listeners can take as far as beginning to, you know, eliminate those processed foods. And, uh, you know, me and my wife, we talk about it all the time, you know, before we, well, actually when we transition into a plant-based diet, just how much more uh, flexible we became just, Mm -hmm. just by changing the diet, not even by stretching, just by changing the diet. And then even now when we go on fast and do cleanses, we notice that we get even more uh, flexible. So the point of freeing up blockages is important for people to really understand that they're clogging their systems and um, and just really causing health challenges and imbalances that are going on. So thanks for that information. 
So um, any any uh, um, last final words that you would like to share with our listeners? Um, well, just to, um, you know, just to emphasize the idea that um, movement and breathing are fundamental to everything that we do. We have to move our bodies. We can't be sedentary. We have to move. And to the brothers, you know, brothers are so um, <laughs> oftentimes, you know, it's, uh, are so backwards in terms of thinking that yoga is something for the for women. Yeah. You have to mm-hmm. be flexible. You have to, you have to be flexible before you start to do yoga. <laughs> and, you know, and, it, and it's not even, you know, it doesn't even make sense. Right. Because that's, that's, that's like I said, I could be, I could be fit in order to, in order to start to, to exercise. Right. You know, right. You, you, if you notice that you're unfit, then you would say, oh, I need to start exercising. <laughs> you would say, I'm going to get fit in order to exercise. Right. So, so, and, and also just understanding yoga, it, the flexibility is not the, mo- is not the most important part of yoga. Right. Um, your size is not important. You could be, um, you know, a heavy person, a big person, a plus size person, or whatever you want to call it. You should still uh, begin to practice yoga. Right. You know, because um, your size doesn't stop you. Your level of flexibility doesn't stop you. Um, even if you was in a wheelchair, you could, you could do yoga in a chair, you know, um, and and if you couldn't do nothing but lay on the floor and breathe, then you're doing yoga. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's just a, it's just a matter of will. It's just a matter of, um, of effort. And we have to, we have to go, we have to go past all of this, um, all of these um, superficial um, stereotypes that we have about being fit and, you know, yoga is for women, yoga is for gay people, and yeah. yoga is for white people and all that kind of stuff. You mm-hmm. know, it's like, come on. Right. Yeah. Well, definitely today with the information that you shared, you definitely uh, gave people a whole new perspective of the necessity of of doing yoga. Mm-hmm. Um, so we thank you for that today. And uh, before we go, I just, as Jamal mentioned, all the information that was discussed, any links, any contact information for Yasir and all the wonderful work that he's doing, his products, his certification trainings, his, um, you know, retreats can all be found on our show notes page at lifestrengthandhealth.com forward slash three or go to lifestrengthandhealth.com forward slash podcast and type Yasir, Y-I-R-S-E-R in the search box. So um, Yasir, before we go, I just want to say thank you so much for your time and yeah, sharing you. this powerful information. It certainly is inspiring. As Jamal said, it makes you want to go practice some yoga right now after we finish this podcast. <laughs> Yeah, well, I, well, I appreciate the work that you all are doing, and um, you know, I appreciate Jamal and you know who I met um, probably about two thousand and six or so. I guess yeah. mm-hmm. you know, when you came to, when you came to the training, and um, I'm glad that you continued on with your practice and with uh, spreading the word. Absolutely, you know. So um, keep doing your thing, brother and sister. Thank, Thank you. you. Yeah, Thank we you. We appreciate you. We want to say thank you for listening to the show and for access to the show notes pages, 
more podcast episodes, blog content, as well as more information about our center, Life Strength and Health, then just visit us at lifestrengthandhealth.com. Until next time, live healthier.